Howdy, and welcome back to the Backmarkers, <laughs> the F1 podcast for new fans by new fans. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by the Austin Grand Prix. Uh, hello, I am the Austin Grand Prix. Unfortunately, the plans to run the race entirely on horseback was unsuccessful, but we did have quite a... I was going to make some stupid cowboy reference, but nah, I, I wasn't ready for that. You can't just hit me with a howdy. <laughs> howdy. Howdy, partner. I saw... I don't remember which. It's one of the F1 journalists I follow. I think it might be the guy from WTF1. I, I don't remember. And I feel uh, Matt Gallagher, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. Who I saw like after qualifying said about Daniel Ricciardo, you cannot ride a horse into the paddock and then go out in Q1. <laughs> like, oh. That is not a thing that you can do. And I agree. You cannot make such a big thing yeah. and then perform to that level man it was a race it was boring for half a second then it got spicy then it got real spicy i enjoyed this one this is one of my favorite races of the season like it it had all of the stuff that i enjoy you know like and like i say quote unquote enjoy right like i say all of the things that make a race thrilling i think is maybe a better way to put it i.e accidents and dnfs right they're like bring up the adrenaline Luckily, everyone's good from them. And also fights and unexpected stuff and and some some real top-to-bottom good shootouts um, as we got. So, Austin, do you want to give us a a quick rundown of the finishing order? And then I want to talk about some stuff that's happened in between uh, the Grand Prix. Absolutely. So, Max Verstappen, surprise, shock, and awe, was able to win this one. Uh, Lewis Hamilton, though, P2 and Leclerc P3 for the podium. And then going down the list, we've got ourselves a very exciting Checo P4. We've got Russell P5. Uh, Lando actually barely came in P6. I don't think they caught it on the TV feed, but he ended up, I think, last lap uh, grabbing P6 off of Alonso, who came in P7. And same thing, Sebastian Vettel picked up P8 with, like, what, turn or two turns to go over Kevin Magnuson and Yuki Tsunoda pulled out the P10 with the last points paying position points paying position that's a fun word phrase to say mm. Wait, who got who got the 10th did you say uh Yuki Yuki got 10th Yuki yeah okay yeah it all got a bit wild at the it- end <laughs> And it was the thing, it's like, you know, that like the TV director trying to show, you know, like Max and all, all that kind of yep. stuff. But there's so much happening at the very they last minute. They made the minute. right call to, to switch over to Vettel because Vettel and Magnussen, I think at one point were driving the same car and they got so close <laughs> to each other. You know, it's just like you could reach over and just pull the car left. I don't know how it works. But, yeah, <laughs> it's like it Ricky Bobby, you just really reach through. Awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, man. So that's, we're going to put a pin in that for yeah. a minute because okay. so much has happened. In the last, so like last two weeks, last yep. week, I don't even know anymore. It feels like it's been an eternity. So there was some sad news uh, over the weekend that Red Bull, uh, co-owner of Red Bull Drinks, but team owner of Red Bull Racing, uh, Dietrich Mateschitz, he passed away, uh, which is very sad. Um, I didn't really know much about the guy, to be honest, uh, until this weekend. And they were saying that he was very much a person kept to himself. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like some of the other team owners and, and people involved in teams that we see uh, as a main fixture of the uh, the paddock. Like, you know, if he was there, we never really got to see him very much. Um, but there was just some really cool stuff that they were saying uh, on the broadcast today. You know, like, obviously bought two teams, right? Didn't just yeah. buy one team, right? Which is, and they said eight out of the 20 drivers that race today benefit from the Red Bull driver program. So 
as an individual who cared about the sport, probably aren't that many more in history, right? That would have had the effect that that he has had and that his legacy will continue to have. So, yeah, it's very, very sad. Um, but I think a touching tribute today from Red Bull. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, obviously, he was a incredibly influential person, not just across Formula One, but through a massive variety of sports that Red Bull really has funded. I mean, there are entire sporting leagues that Red Bull fully owns. They own Formula One tracks. They own teams. They actually used to own a huge portion of Sauber back in the day. Like, I mean, it's... I didn't I think, know that. Yeah, so I guess was, that was their start, right? Like, that's how they kind of dipped toe in the water to see if this is something that they wanted to do. Kind of like we've been talking about with like the Volkswagen group, right? Right, and, yeah. Oh, we'll, we'll pick up a sponsorship here and like we'll do an engine here. But like, it would seem at least that they were maybe angling towards something bigger. Yeah, and I think it's just the legacy is unbelievable, right? I mean, you look at how he took uh, a little drinks company that no one knew of and turned it into this massive, massive, really sporting business that just happens to yes. sell the drinks to kind of promote that, right? You kind of argue the other way around, which is also sort of true. I, I honestly think it's it's hand in hand somewhere. Yes, reverberable. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I do wonder, like, no, you know, I because I don't really know much about this. Like, if he was such a champion, I wonder if there will be any change to Red Bull. Now? Yes. So, what? And obviously, this is all a little bit based on rumor and conjecture. But um, you know, there was a very heavy rumor that Porsche were incredibly close to buying into fifty percent of Red Bull Racing just a few months ago, and obviously that fell through. But it seems like that was one of the things that uh, there were rumors that uh, that Mateschitz's health was not in great great places, and so yeah, I know I, this is very uncouth, and and I you know I do not want to say any like, just. Listen to this. What I'm saying, I read on Twitter that this happened like three weeks ago, mm-hmm. that it was trending that he died. Now, oh, obviously, wow. he didn't. I saw this, oh, and, okay. and I was surprised about it. And then I went and looked into the guy a little bit. Yeah. So like, this was a thing that I saw. It was in my trending on Twitter multiple weeks ago that he passed away. So oh. maybe you know it, it had been learned that his health was poor or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know what on earth was happening there, but like that was a thing that I was seeing. Recently, yeah. you know, it was very strange. It was very strange to, uh, to to see that over the weekend because my brain had kind of just locked that piece of information away, right? Yeah, that yeah. No, I I hadn't heard that there were rumors like that. I, I knew that there was some talk about his health not being in you know particularly great shape, and also there were some rumors that potentially he was sort of as uh, things were kind of maybe winding down with his involvement with the team, potentially selling it off to Porsche or deciding. Because now I do think there's a little bit of a question as to what happens with the team. Now, obviously, they're massively successful, it's not going to go away tomorrow or something. But who's who actually owns be, it? That's exactly the question, right? Uh, that as well as Red Bull. I think there are now a lot of loose ends that are going to mm. potentially need to be tied up. Potentially, that sale to Porsche could have been part of that preparing. Obviously, you know, it's not our place to say what should or shouldn't happen, but I do think it will be very much worth keeping an eye out for what's going on to the mm. future. But I think the most important thing is just to really kind of appreciate what an incredible job he has done for the sport and for so many other sports. Like talk about the most like badass dude who's just literally just making so many things happen based on his love and his incredible marketing genius. So I think we all got to kind of take our hats off for that one because it's 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 wild to think about what the sport would look like today if Red Bull, a weird little drinks company, had never stepped into it. So there is more Red Bull news, but let's like split these two things apart to kind of like, so I don't want to mix them together because it's not necessary. 
Um, Haas, big news for Haas. They have a new title sponsor, MoneyGram, which is the it's one of these like Western Union type money mm-hmm. transfer services. Yep. I'm very happy for them. <laughs> yeah. I think this, no, genuinely, I'm so happy for Haas about this. So MoneyGram is an American company. Uh, Haas is an American company. I saw somebody say this on Twitter. I completely agree. Haas should run their livery with stars and stripes. Why on earth yes. would they not do that? Like it's madness. Like they should be the American team for Americans, right? Like that. that's what they should be. It will draw. <laughs> like this is what, you know, I can't imagine MoneyGram would have gone together with another team. It's like, yeah. Red and white, which helps, but they're American, right? So, like, it, it would draw money to uh, the, the 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 team, which now seems to be a big difference. So, Gunter Steiner was saying that this agreement, like this arrangement with MoneyGram over the next multiple years, is going to bring them to the top of the budget cap. Uh, they are very below the budget cap right now, you know, infamously and still are the thriftiest team. You know, as people have said a long time about us, they go a long way on little. Mm-hmm. Well, now they're going to be able to go even longer or more. So they're going to be coming up to the top end of the cost cap now. So their aims now are bigger than ever about being a team that can be in contention. And I think that's fantastic. And I'm excited about that, genuinely, like really excited about that. And I'm I'm very keen to see if this changes who's going to be their second seat. Yeah, I, I think so as well. I mean, Haas, like you said, has been uh, thrifty, I think is almost too charitable of a word. I mean, they have been struggling for most of the time that they've been in Formula One, mostly because almost their entire budget has been pulled directly out of Gene pa- uh, Haas's back pocket. And uh, running a Formula One team out of your back pocket, not the uh, most affordable thing in the world. So no. it's terrific to see this. You know what else something was interesting watching the U.S. feed, which was running on ABC, which obviously was the Sky Speed uh, here in the U.S. But uh, I was actually seeing some ads for Duracell and for Williams. And there was this huge ad about how Duracell is, you know, cutting edge, just like Williams Racing and all this kind of stuff. I was like, wow. Like, you would not have seen that, you know, even, you know, a year or no. two ago to see that all these sponsors, even jumping into what you would consider to be kind of like the the true back markers of the grid, even being on the worst car or the second worst car, or whatever, uh, of the year. Hey, it's if still- your car crashes... You get on TV. Now, it's up to you as a brand if you want your car, if you want your brand to be on a crashed car. Yeah. But, you know, Latifi, he's pulling in the views. You know what I mean? He's spinning around, Duracell, flying all over the place. It's you the know? NASCAR approach of uh, yeah. make sure you put the, the, la- the logo on the top of the car so when it flips over, you can still see it. It's, uh, it's some heavy marketing. Oh, talking of this, yeah. you've seen these McLaren e-ink displays, right? Yes, Look, it's very interesting. This kind of stuff has been, I feel like, kind of slowly creeping. I mean, so I know that in a lot of other, I believe it's in sports car racing, and I think in IndyCar, there are like actually little like panels on the sides of the cars. They'll have like numbers or what have you. So these are, yeah, like you said, ink panels that are, I believe they're, if you're like in the cockpit to the left and to the right, so they're facing up. Although the idea is that these panels each weigh like 250 grams, so they're pretty minimal as far as their weight impact. Uh, you can imagine, add a few more of these things throughout the car, you could probably charge your your buddies over at Google a whole lot more money to be constantly cycling between Chrome things, whatever. Although, well, the the goal I would assume is now these panels are viewable when they're on the car cam, right? They're on the left or yes. right hand side of the driver. Now, if they could be remotely controlled, you could have somebody pay more money. At the moment, when they're live, fi- <laughs> I'm being serious. I just saw why they're doing this. Yeah. Why would they choose that area to be dynamically controllable? Right. I expect it so they can say, like, "Hey, 
brand, you know, we've got like five brands in our roster or whatever. We can, if you give us a little bit more money, we can make sure you're the one that's there while we're in the car cam on the live feed. That is wild. Imagine how Why else would you do it? No, but imagine how intense Formula One is if there's like a bunch of bidders and just like people who are like Mm -hmm. betting throughout, there are sponsors who are bidding on the teams and as the teams get, oh, Lando's up to P3, I'll put an extra $100,000 to be on the side of his car right now. Imagine how wild that would be. I feel that's maybe a little far out, but that's that's crazy. I didn't even think about that. I just thought it's like, oh, we can like cycle between a couple of logos through the race. I mean, I feel like this is the, I mean, we're away away from that, but I feel like that's what you would do it for, right? And then eventually, if you can make the entire car like this, yeah, you know, you can you can cycle things through to the highest bidder of your roster. I mean, this isn't something we do in live, but like it's something you would agree, right? Like yeah. every time that we go to that that the car camera is shown, uh, we can we can have your logo pop up. Absolutely, I like uh, Sherlock in the chat. Uh, it's, it's super chats, but on the car that. Hundred percent on point. Yeah, uh, the, yeah. The, the the back markers will sponsor Nicholas Latifi for eight tenths of a second going down the straight. Please, we think we can afford that, right? <laughs> I don't even know. If we're good. Uh, okay, so we're talking about the cost cap in these past few weeks. Ugh. The main thing that's come out of the cost cap discussion: Red Bull were found in breach of overspending in the cost cap by the FIA. Nothing more has come of it yet. Red Bull appear to not agree. Some teams have made a lot of reference to the fact that they consider this to be, you know, like competitors' teams consider this to be egregious no matter what the money is. It could be with, uh, it's over 5% or something, so it could be up to $7 million, anything up to that. Of course, anything up towards that level would make a significant difference and a significant impact on the car. Now it's a case of Red Bull, like FIA will need to deliver to Red Bull, like this is what we want to, penalize you with and then Red Bull can either accept that or they can say we don't accept that and then it goes to an adjudication board um, the FIA have put this in the hold because of the events of the weekend um, Austin I don't even think this is going to get resolved this season which I think is disgusting I, personally I would expect it to be resolved over the off season so which the- is mad right that like in the off season before the 2023 season we're resolving yeah. 2021's budget so what about 2022's budget like, we just yeah. do it forever yeah I, I, mean- I look I know people like they'll look through they think they're gonna look through me here but I've said it in past weeks and I mean it like and and hey look just look at other teams saying it too you've got to hit hard if they are found in breach of this, you've got to hit them hard because otherwise this entire plan to balance out the so we, you can have what we were talking about with Haas gets one new sponsor and they feel like they can start attacking like Mercedes, right? That's only because the cost cap exists. Mm-hmm. Now, if that ends up that every year people can go up to 5% over, then like... We're just going to be doing that forever and kicking the kicking it down the road, you know? Or like, you know, if you look at like, let's imagine you're in a title fight and you think you could spend another few million dollars and eke out that win so you get the win this year because you'd love to win this year and you'll just not worry about next year. Like, you, it can't be like that. It's got to be hard. It's got to be a very hard penalty I, I if they're found agree. in breach of it. I do agree. So the current rumor is that while it could, like you said, be by the, the way they've uh, said it, it's, it could be up to $7 million. It seems like it's closer to $2 million. But the thing is, like we've discussed before, these things get very complicated. There's a lot of nuance. It's a real running joke that it was because they spent $2 million on their catering fees, which 
probably actually is about right for how much they spend on food across the year. But regardless, I agree. It should be dealt with seriously. It also, I think, is really going to set almost less so for the actual penalty for Red Bull. I almost care less about that than the kind of sort of standard that this is going to put on Formula One, right? Because, you know, you've got like Toto Wolf over here saying, well, Mercedes, yeah, look, if Red Bull get a slap on the hand, we're going to spend double next year because we know that we can get away with it, right? So it's, you know that all the teams, they've got their sights on Red Bull. They're going to try to tear them down as much as possible. There's going to be minimum leniency. So it's like, Unless Red Bull can convince the FIA or show, oh, actually, wait a minute. No, Max loaned us that money because, oops, we forgot to pay the power bill this month. There's some stupid nonsense like that, which, you know, they're probably going to try to pull something. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see where it actually lands. But I, I, I'm not going to lie, though. I'm kind of tired of hearing about this cost cap. I know it's important, but it's like it's like the worst of the politics of Formula One, where it's like every team who's not Red Bull has all the incentive to be all snarky and be like, well, we kept to the cost cap or yep. we didn't upgrade. It's like, okay, I get it. Can I agree with it. It's tiring, right? It's tiring because it's like all of this grandstanding and rules. It's like the worst part of the sport. But this one feels pretty like it's going to set the precedent. So it's up to the FIA to do whatever they want the precedent to be, really. Like that's... Yeah. That's going to be it. I want to read. I'm oh, moving on. I want to. We've got two more things left before we t- actually talk about today's race. It's been a busy week. It has. I want to read from Chris Medland. He's a great journalist. I follow him at Chris Medland F1. Great Twitter follow. If you want like good balanced, I feel like uh, F1 journalism. This is about Williams' second seat. I will read verbatim because this is incredibly confusing. <laughs> Very complex stuff. Logan Sargent, we mentioned him before, F, American F2 driver. He had a, a, a he was in he did one of the practice sessions this weekend for Williams. Logan Sargent will race for Williams in 2023 if he requ- if secures the required super license points in the F2 finale in Abu Dhabi. To get that super license, if his two FP1 runs are over 100 kilometers, because he did one, he's going to do another one, and penalty-free, he'll need to end the Abu Dhabi weekend in the top six in the F2 championship. He's currently P3, nine points ahead of P6. If FP1 outings don't yield extra points, so if those don't help him, then he needs to be in the top five goes on to say reliability isn't always great in f2 as logan himself has found out at times this year so if this does throw up the interesting scenario of what happens if things don't go in his way in abu dhabi as unlikely as dropping uh, further than p7 is so if he can do what needs to be done he's going to be a formula one rookie next year if he doesn't <laughs> you know what i mean i hope just capital's got a second plan you know a third plan because i think uh his first plan was uh to bring in a certain other driver who got pulled into alpha Tauri. look to understand what's mm. going on here you need one of those serial killer boards you know the ones like the the pen board where you've got like the strings and you're like dragging everything across like it's crazy but uh, i think the simpler way to approach it is that short of something going very wrong for logan Sargent he can just kind of do okay in that final race and mm-hmm. get his points. But he just has to finish it. Finish it decent. And he, he has to and finish it decent. And he'll be, a, he'll be a rookie. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes. Uh, I know that his first practice session was fine. You know that he's going to have to be playing very, very carefully to not pick up any penalties or anything like that. So you've got to assume he's going to be on his best behavior. But it seems pretty likely that he will be the second driver for Williams next year. And I'm excited to see. Uh, I mean... Look, uh, we saw a lot more from Latifi today of just nonsense. I think it will be nice to have 20 
full-fledged drivers on the grid and not 19-ish, which is what we've had recently. So I feel like I'll leave it at that. I don't want to... Speaking about drivers on the grid, last thing, uh, Daniel Ricciardo is suggesting that he will be a reserve driver for next year and it is expected it will probably be for Red Bull. Yeah, spicy. So he was mm-hmm. asked... And I- I'll give uh, Danny Rick some credit. I mean, he's been very honest and open about this whole thing. Uh, like, uh, there was some talk about, like, oh, would you consider driving for Haas? He's like, mm, no, no offense, but... No, I'm not doing that. It's just like, wow. Like, not even like a maybe or whatever. Like, he's very convinced. There were a lot of rumors that potentially Danny Rick would go over to be the Mercedes uh, reserve driver since they're actually down a reserve driver with Nick DeVries leaving. Um, I don't think they have a ready-made replacement, although I'm sure there's some juniors they could pull up. But but it seems like the rumor is that Danny Rick might go back to Red Bull, admittedly in a far less illustrious role than he was originally. I mean, you know, he didn't want to be the... Second driver, so he became mm-hmm. the third driver, I guess. I mean, when he goes to Red Bull, it will just take him a few weeks to get used to the car, you know, as it always does. He just needs a little oh. time to get used to the car. He just needs a little time to get oh, used to the car. Mike. It's all it'll take, just a little oh, time. That's sad. Just a little time. Look, all right. <sighs> Let's talk about the U.S. Grand Prix based in Austin, Texas. Oh, Carlos. Oh, oh poor, we got to start there, man. Carlos. I mean, it's where it starts, <laughs> right? It isn't, you don't get nothing more than term one. Oh, Carlos. Uh, look, that's one of those things where I agree that that was George's fault, but I also very much agree that Carlos was a little tentative. Obviously, he messed up the launch, so Max got around him. Yep. He was out of position. You could tell that, and obviously it's a very difficult position to be in, but you could tell that he mm-hmm. was a little bit like, Eh, eh, not sure, and I didn't have great sight. He didn't mm-hmm. really fully commit and got absolutely collected by George, which George yep. went in too hard, no doubt, and he did get a deserved penalty. He served it. He got, got what's been the standard of this season penalty, right? That yeah. like a term one collision, if you're at fault, you get a five-second stop-go penalty, like, which he did. But not stop-go. Just, just, because stop-go is a different thing. Stop-go is you can't actually Oh, when you have to pull in. It was yeah. a five-second penalty delivered yeah. in the pits. Exactly. Yeah, stop yeah. go is when you have to drive in. And uh, yeah. I always feel like I don't know why they need to... They're not the same thing. You know what I no, mean? No, that's the like, super severe one because then you have to... Because you're burning, what, 20, 25 seconds and you can't and change you your can't tires or anything? Yeah. change your tires. That's like okay. the... Yes. Bad. <laughs> five, is there a phrase then for a five-second penalty served in the pit lane? Well, I think all five-second penalties would be served in the pit lane. The only difference is, is that if you don't go and take... If it happens and you don't take a pit stop, they just add it you to your race time. It. Yeah, which... Right, but stop uh, and go, obviously, there's nothing you can do about it. Exactly, you which is stop. also what happened to Pierre, which I'll say uh, Pierre got it for being a little bit behind the car during the safety car, which I think was kind of bad. And then uh, while we're recording, I don't think it's actually been fully settled, but it seemed like he came in for his five second penalty. They changed tires and everything, but potentially he didn't wait the full five seconds, which, uh, so probably gonna add it on. yeah, that just seems Again. like doubly unfair for someone who, yeah. I mean, if you look at what George did, which is completely wipe out a Ferrari yes. from the lead of the race to Pierre being a little bit behind a car and that's it. And also uh, on the replay, like you can see it, it was the car in front of him sped up and he just, yeah, you know, he like, didn't. He shouldn't have it's done that. But I think a five-second penalty seems a little aggressive. They're just like, Comparing hey. the two, yeah. you know, George's is much worse, right? Um, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, it was so unfortunate that he had to retire. You know, like, obviously, his race would have been mostly ruined. He might have been able to pull something together. 
Um, you know, we, we'll talk about Fernando, but Fernando sure as hell made it work. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. I felt, I just felt so bad for Carlos. An absolutely cracking qualifying lap. Um, and it was just incredibly unfortunate for him. But yeah, it, it was one of those term one incidents, right? It was a mixture of things, as you say, right? From Max getting away in front of him to Carlos being a bit hesitant to the Mercedes racing against each other. And all of these three things added up to the point where there was a collision. And it, that was beautiful reactions from the people around them. Yeah. Right? Like, I don't know how Lewis didn't get involved in that. Like, he, there, there was quite a few cars that dealt with that really well, which is always super cool to see. I just think it's one of those things that when you watch it on TV, it's cool. When you think about what the drivers are seeing, not from that angle, it's above their heads, but what you see from the cockpit with your tiny little mirrors and your mm-hmm. size of your car up to your eyeballs, the fact that these guys have such sort of positional awareness, besides maybe a little bit Carlos on that one, but even so, like just what they're able to kind of pull off, I think is incredibly impressive, right? Like you and I mm-hmm. sitting in a Formula One car, we're going to see about like this much in front of us. You're not going to be like, ah, ah, but these guys are so aware. Everyone's completely steaming into turn one, cold tires, cold brakes, launch up that massive hill. Mike, I don't know. Have you ever been to Coda before? No. It is. So I've actually had the fortunate, uh, not in a Formula One car, but I've actually been able to drive on the circuit before. And it's, it's one thing. It's one of my favorite circuits visually. It absolutely is. It's one thing to look at it on TV, that, you know, the top of turn one. It's another thing to actually be on top there. I actually got the opportunity to actually kind of walk around as well and, you know, do a little bit of driving on it. And when you're standing at the top of that, looking down at the top of the pit lane, it is crazy. So to consider those guys going in with the cold brakes, just absolutely steaming up that hill, it's not a surprise at all that there are these massive accidents. But... It's one of those things where it started out very spicy, you know, because we had some people out of position. You know, we had Leclerc who was starting, uh, I think he was starting from 12th. Uh, Checo had a penalty Mm -hmm. and then a bunch of other people sort of toward the back also had penalties. But almost immediately the jeopardy was out of the race, right? I mean, Max, boom, gone right down the road. And it seemed like that just might have been it. But oh boy, that was not the story of this race. (laughs) Yeah. The collisions in general were violent today. Yeah, I think. I mean, we got to talk about Alonso trying to turn his car into an airplane and still finishing the race. Popping a wheelie, baby. I look, look. Okay, let's just let's just compare for a second. Okay, so Carlos got bumped a little bit on the side, wrecked some water line or some radiator, water leak out of the race. <laughs> Fernando Alonso was flying <laughs> through the air and still finished seventh. I could not believe how. Like you know how obviously certain parts of these cars are very strong and certain parts are incredibly fragile, right? And it does seem like there's a real roll of the dice anytime you have any kind of accident or anything like that. I mean, Checo did the entire race with, you know, half his front wing missing, you know, George's is flapping in the wind. Like it's it's really interesting to see what the components of these cars really matter which don't. But the fact that Alonso was flying through the air yeah. Landed, hit the it barrier. Was violent to see. I Very thought, violent. I was surprised that he even kept driving. I was like, oh, of course he's going to shut the car off. But he changed his tires, came all the way back to the field. Like, I'm surprised they didn't break his back as how hard he landed. I guess they changed the front wing too, right? Yeah, they definitely changed the front yeah. wing and tires, but that was it. And I'm sure that there's some damage in the car. And I guarantee mm-hmm. you those Alpine mechanics tonight are going to be looking up over that car saying like, wow, we did a good job. I guess being overweight was worth it. <laughs> 
<laughs> what is this thing made of? Yeah, yeah it was. Uh, I it was truly astounding to see the level of damage the Aston Martin took compared to the amount of damage. Because he even he hit the barrier right as he well. He did. He did. So, which is a, like, how could he smash into the back of the uh, Aston Martin? Hit the like fly up into the air, land. Which that should be it, right? Mm-hmm. That should have been it. Hit the barrier. That should have been it. And still, like, I mean, trundles round, goes back. I mean, of course, he had like I think another safety car, maybe, maybe. Or was that? Like- uh, there was two safety cars, right? Because I think that was the first one. No, 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 no. That was the second. No, one. the first one was Valtteri. Was Valtteri, Valtteri yeah. Floor. Yeah. Uh, and he, how on earth did he manage seventh? Place. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Unbelievable work from Fernando Alonso. Except for the fact that he smashed into Oh no, but that was Lance's fault, right? Yeah, so here's the thing, right? I mean, I don't think it was a super straightforward one. I mean, clearly Alonso was coming up. To me, it did seem like Lance made a very late chop. I don't really know what Alonso could have done. He was pretty committed to the move. And essentially what happened was Alonso climbed up Lance's rear wheel launched him in the air and then once you know his front end was in the air you know these are ground effects cars they're flat and designed for aerodynamics on the bottom it basically caught the car like a wind sail dragged it now thankfully it didn't actually flip so while his front was way in the air and it's funny seeing him like trying to steer as his <laughs> tires are like six feet in the air i couldn't like it's, it's wild right again it's like the reactions of everyone because the reactions of the people behind like somehow missing it like go, but like that idea that he's do and he's just like no, I got to try and control this thing because when I land, I want to be in the r-. unbelievable, like, wild, it was absolutely incredible, and then just like a what a just what a race from Fernando Alonso, like yeah. oh what a drive, and it's, it is really funny that like those two are going to be teammates, <laughs> yeah, you know, and I, in I like do- a couple of months, yeah. like end of next month, they are teammates, I feel bad uh for lance because i mean he was in P3, me too right like he, he was having had a, a very fantastic good race. race and that was you know that's one of those things yeah. right? you know like that 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 was like not great but they're all doing that mm-hmm. some version of that right and it just and i think one i think it might have been martin brundle was like it is kind of wild that that doesn't happen more often yeah yeah because you see these super late moves all the time yeah. and they're always know, doing that to each other it looks exciting it looks cool especially yeah. considering how tight everything is but it's another thing when you see when it's just a little bit off how it turns into an airplane accident yeah. almost immediately um, so are we blaming fernando alonso for not being able to get out of the way is that the official back markets response? No. no i'm kidding no <laughs> No, no. Uh, he he threw his parachute and got a a, a softer landing and kept going. Uh, that was honestly the moment of the race for me, though. I think that is going to be the moment that I'm going to remember from this race is just like seeing huh. him flying through the air. Mind you, I think if you look at it from his onboard, it makes a little bit more sense because you look at it from that one TV angle. Yeah, he's flying. You see all this dust and dirt, and his wing, you know, starts shedding pieces and he hits the wall. But you look at it from his angle, and he got incredibly lucky because he came up flew for a solid second or whatever he comes down right past where the access road was so if he would have hit that access road he could have hit the edge of the barrier it would have been you know 150 zero yeah. yeah but instead it he was sort fast. of exactly so instead he lands he sort of bounces off the barrier but not super hard the tire mm-hmm. takes the impact but it didn't seemingly wreck his suspension or anything his front wing was already wrecked from the lance collision and he just kept going. But you just imagine just how... It is. A thing we do not see very often is collisions at that speed. 
Yeah. Like, it's very rare to see a collision between two drivers at those kinds of speeds. It just yeah. doesn't happen very much. Most collisions happen on cornering, right? Mm-hmm. Which is fast, but it's not as fast. You know, yeah. this was a <laughs> wild. And, and also, like, I think what happened, right, is he, his front wheel hit Lance's back wheel, which is what propelled him up. That's what happened with Max and Lewis last year. Yeah. And that was it, what? When Max went on top of Lewis. But, like, it was the same thing. And again, like, those cars are touching all the time. Mm-hmm. It really, it's like a matter of a few inches between hitting the wheels, just touching the wheels, and the wheels hitting each other and like causing that maneuver. Because you know, it's just they're both going in the same direction. One hits and it's just going to fly off. So it really yeah. is wild that we don't see that more often. I completely agree. But man, that was a wild moment. Mm-hmm. So that led to, so essentially that was what, safety car number two, everything came through. And then. It's still at this point in the race is looking like Max has got this easy, easy. Mm-hmm. Oh, come- no, not easy. Max has got it, but not easy. It, it, no, no, really. Mm. He was under pressure for the entire race this weekend in a way that he is he has not been for a long time. The 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 pack was bunching up on him. There was like two to three second gaps for most of the race. Like he was going to win. Like there wasn't a doubt about it at that moment. But it wasn't. This was not the commanding Verstappen mm. race that we have seen uh, recently. And yeah. he seemed to be having a tough time. Yeah, like and- the wind seemed to be affecting the car a lot. He was upset for a lot of the race. Yeah, and also he was talking about like his drivability, and he's having mm-hmm. to potentially turn the power down or play with his strat modes mm-hmm. and whatnot. So you're right. You're right. But. Uh, I think it's props to him that you know he dealt with two safety cars ruining his lead. Then he dealt with a horrible pit stop, which really is a what energized the race. Catastrophic. Yeah. Had to change the gun pit yeah. stop. It was uh, as bad as they can be. Uh, well, never no. as bad as the Bottas <laughs> yeah, one. <laughs> you read my no mind. Pit. <laughs> no pit will ever be as bad as when Valtteri Bottas's wheel nut was sending shards into the grandstands. <laughs> the 23-hour pit stop. <laughs> oh, so good. Did he ever get out of that? Uh, I actually think it legitimately was the next day when the Mercedes crew were able to get the wheel off. So No, I but think- like, was that the end of his race? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, I couldn't remember if they if they ended. No, that that was the end of his race. Wasn't that it? was the end of his race. Yeah, and the next morning they finally got the wheel off. So <laughs> <laughs> it's like a sword in the stone. They had to, like whoever could get the wheel off becomes was, like a knight of the round table. No one was worthy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, so yeah, this and then it opened up the race for Lewis. Yeah, and hey, look, and Charles. More for Lewis, though, right? Like, it, because Charles was Charles was there, right? Like, yeah. Charles was there the whole time. But like, the the thing was, is it opened up for Lewis to win, and I will say, he got closer than I thought he was going to. I did not think he was going to win. I was very excited that this was the greatest possibility of him doing so. <laughs> yeah. Like, Jen, obviously, right? Like, yep. I was, I was really excited, but I knew the only way, like, I because what I was hoping for was that Max messed up somehow, right? Like that, or that something had to happen. Like I, I knew that if Max could race a clean race, he was taking Lewis. Like mm-hmm. that, there was no way around that. Like as was proven, because that's just what he can do right now. It needed something, you know. It needed, obviously, because I wanted Lewis to win. I was hoping that Max was going to get that penalty that he was so. Both of them were actually yeah. so close to getting. 
you know? Um, but yeah, it it was a thrilling end to the race. I was very happy for Lewis to pick up a P2. I would say this is, on race pace, the most... Um, uh, it was the best performance that Mercedes have had from a driver in a race. I feel like in a... They look like they could do it. Yeah. Right? Like, they were there... And they were there the whole, he was there the whole time, mm-hmm. and he had every advantage that everybody else had, yep. and he was able to hang in. And you know, like if that pit stop for Max would have come three three laps later, Lewis would have won it, right? Like, yeah, he did not win by a large margin. You know, I mean, he was able to finally overhaul Lewis. And to be fair, when they actually went wheel to wheel, that was they were uh, they were spicy. Uh, it was great. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was so great. And, and again, <laughs> it was like. I will, I just wish, I pray that Mercedes can get it together for next year because, boy, do I want to see that again, right? Yeah. Like, do I want to see that again from them? Uh, yeah, it was it was super close uh, and really excellent. And at the end, I, I feel like at the end, Lewis kind of ended up holding back a bit because he knew he was running risk of the uh, the penalty. Oh, yeah, yeah. So Once Max. Just, he just wanted to secure his second place at that yeah. point because that's very valuable to him. Uh, Lewis is now in the standings. Ooh. I think he's just pulled up to um, he's just pulled up to science now. Obviously, because science didn't oh, yeah. pull any points. So Lewis is now three, the four points behind Carlos Sainz. Uh, George is now sixteen points ahead of Carlos Sainz. Um, I feel like at this point. <sighs> I mean, so we got what Charles in second, Sergio in third. I reckon Sergio's probably going to take second. You think so? Yes, I do. The Red Bull is just—it's—it's uh, it's not really close with the Ferrari right now. The Ferrari, with every mm. advantage you've got. I mean, to be fair, Leclerc did a great job and got very lucky with that first uh, safety car, but uh, yeah. the Ferrari is not there, right? Like the Ferrari does not yeah, have I mean, the pace. That's what seven million dollars will do for you. Am I right? <laughs> oh. Am I right? Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Well, we'll go with that. <laughs> we'll go with that. Uh, <laughs> you know, someone else I want to give a shout out to is Lando. I'm going to move on directly from that one. Uh, look, how, shout out to Lando, though, for real. Uh, yeah. He, toward that last stent, was oh. slicing and dicing. And some of those moves I don't he know pulled off. What was going on with some of these guys in the last few laps of this race? But, like, it was just lap after lap, Lando was taking someone else. Really? Perfect. It, it was, I would almost say, too aggressive. There were a couple of moves where I was like, boy, you got away with that one. But he was just like on rails, like, you know, just driving as if he was possessed. It was terrific to see. I wish we got a little bit more of that on camera. And then, of course, we got to talk about Seb, right? Seb had a terrific race, led a few laps there. Uh, you know, he had solid strategy, really good pace. Like, really, it was a very, very solid race. And then he had sort of the max plus pit stuff. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah, just, that was uh, such a shame, right? Like he had a, I don't know what 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 was going on there. They just couldn't get the wheel on or something, and then they put him down too early. So had to lift him up, and it seemed like there was a lot of confusion amongst the crew, uh, yeah. which led to a a as you say pretty poor uh, pit stop. But I mean, honestly, did it hamper Seb's race that much? No. Like, well. Okay, so, okay, well, let's look here. As so, in, what I'll say is, probably I should finish my thought, compared to what you would have assumed he might have done in this race. Oh. Right? Like, he, he came in eighth. That is an excellent result for Aston Martin. 
Yeah, the problem is he would have almost certainly got sixth if he had not had that problem, right? Well, so I mean, my boy, my boy Lando was slicing and dicing the tracks. So yeah, you, tell, you know what but, I mean. Well, the thing is, so I think yeah. he looking, would have been fighting with George, right? Like that. That would have been, and especially, I mean, especially if they would have brought George in, still would have brought George in for that pit They probably to, couldn't to have. do the fastest lap, which they, as you're right, they probably wouldn't have done it. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, that incredibly unlucky for Seb, but led to Seb's best drive of the season, I think. I, I agree. Um, he did a terrific job. And he job. wouldn't have. He wouldn't have driven to that level. We wouldn't have had that highlight reel from him at the end, I feel like. But it would have met a result for him. But, you know, what does he want more? Honestly, I don't know. Does, would he prefer to have more highlights and points right now? Like, does what does care? it matter to I him? I think he's got to care about the highlights. Who cares about the points, man? It's, that's what I feel like, right? Yeah. Like, he got to do the thing today. So he, he led a lap, which got him to 3,500 laps, laps led in his career. So mm. big day for Seb. And then he got some really extra, excellent TV time. I mean, yeah. Is that maybe that's best? I don't know because it's not like what the extra three points or whatever would have made that much of a difference to him in the standings for the season. So, yeah. you know, like where where is he? He's eleventh. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't think he cares at all. I think he's just having fun and driving well and just you know going out on a high, which is exactly yeah. what you kind of hope he's, for. He is ten points behind Valtteri right now. That's. That makes me think about it's a different year. <laughs> yeah, and I will say that's an achievable distance. Yeah. Maybe for him to, I mean, especially, especially if Valtteri just, you know, pirouettes off the track. Yeah, yeah, that sucked, man. But look, Mike, here's the thing, okay? Mm-hmm. And everyone who's, you know, watching us live or listening to us right now, there's one moment of the race that I think is going to stand above all else. It was the glory the magnificence and the incredulity on all of our faces as we saw Timothy Cook wave the checkered flag. Why did they? Because if he didn't want to do it, why did they <laughs> ask him to do it? Like if he didn't want to do it, no, why I, did he do I, it? I, I, look, uh, I why didn't, didn't Eddie do it? Eddie could have cared. Why? Eddie was very excited. I like how like they sh- cut to that one shot in the garage where it's like, look, it's like Ed Sheeran. And it's like Eddie Q and uh, Tim Cook. And they're like, oh, ignore these yeah. guys. Let's Ed I love Sheeran. It. It's like here's Stefan Domenicali Domenicali talking to Ed Sheeran. Yeah. With one of the most powerful people in the world in the room, and Eddie Q, you know. <laughs> Gotta love Eddie. I mean, Eddie's a big car guy, right? Do you yeah. know he sits on the board at Ferrari? Oh, actually, I did not know that. That's really yeah, neat. he's on the board of Ferrari. So he's up and about all the time. Do you know, just a pop quiz, do you know why they were there? Uh, well, I know that Tim Cook was in Austin to talk about like their manufacturing no. the new uh, thing. Oh, no. They were there for this, and he ended up going to Austin. So... Oh. Brad Pitt is making a movie about Formula One. Right. Next year, they are going to be shooting this movie on race weekends. Oh, interesting. That movie is going to be an Apple TV+. Plus. Mm. That movie, by the way, directed by the Top Gun Maverick director. Oh, that's going to be really As good. well as Lewis Hamilton as a producer. And Lewis is also, uh, he, he has been producing a documentary about his life. Mm-hmm. Is also going to be an Apple TV Plus. So Tim and Eddie, they are there to be with Brad as this whole thing about Brad Pitt and the movie being announced of being shot. That was all announced today about the movie being shot uh, next year. So they were there for this. 
So do you think Eddie just likes Formula One a lot and just dragged Tim and everyone else along? Like, look, 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 let's pay for it. Let's do it. Come I on. I mean, <laughs> I think that, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I can see that. But I think that these are, they are very smart uh, pieces of content to own if you're yeah. Apple. No, I agree. I agree. I'm very excited to see, uh, you know, I mean, obviously it's not going to hold the candle to the greatest racing movie of all time, which is, you know, the ballad of Ricky Bobby, Talladega Nights. However, I think this could be, third or fourth place potentially but we'll see i'm excited i like the fact that they're going to be shooting it actually on race weekends at the yeah. tracks that's really neat i like that i'm intrigued what that is going to look like to be like like you know it, there isn't really much known about this movie yeah um except the fact that it's happening no one knows when it's set no one knows what it's even about right like so who knows, right? Are they going to use real drivers? Are they, like, who, you know, there isn't really uh, anything known about it right now. So and everyone, but that that's why they were all there. And Tim Cook got given the checker flag and did a terrible <laughs> job of it, and looked about <laughs> as grumpy as a man could look doing anything. Yeah, uh, look, Tim, Tim Tim was just having a good time. He was just there to show face. To wave some flag arounds. Uh, I'm sure it was fine. Can I actually say, uh, that actually reminds me of a story I've not thought about in a long time. So uh, they actually shot, like I kind of mentioned, they, they shot Ricky Bobby in a similar kind of way, where they shot it at racetracks a number of different races throughout the year. I was actually at one of the races they were filming at. I didn't understand it, and I was also like 12 or something. But uh, they basically did a couple of extra laps before the race, and they just had all of the you know the hero cars, all the movie cars up front with a couple of camera cars around. They did two laps to shoot all their footage for that race. Then all the the movie cars uh, pulled off, and they actually did the real race. I'll be curious to see if they actually bring out any of the proper Formula One cars. I'm going to assume probably not, since it's probably way more expensive to run Formula One cars. But that just jogged a memory I had not thought about in a long time of actually seeing how they had filmed that at a NASCAR race. What eighteen I'm years assuming- ago? They will use previous year cars, like 2020, mm-hmm. 2021 cars, and have some drivers or ex-drivers driving in them. Yeah. Yeah, I can totally believe it. I can totally believe it. You also can imagine they're going to borrow the track for 30 minutes, you know, in the middle of a session or in between something or whatever to go and grab all the stuff that they need. But I'm assuming they're wanting to film an actual race weekends to have all the drivers there who may or may not be making cameos, to have the full crowds, Again, to have all that stuff. It depends when it's set, though, right? Like that's yeah. that's the thing. Like if this is set in the nineties, you don't want Max Verstappen in it. Yeah, but if you're well, right, like that's also, that's yeah, the question yeah. of like when is this is I don't know when this movie is meant to be. If um, they're doing it on race weekends, it's gotta be contemporary. Because if you're going to be doing a sort of more historical race, you almost don't like how how much extra work is gonna be to digitally replace all the advertising boards and I mean scrub everything. It'll be easier just to rent the tracks when they're, you know, sitting empty mm-hmm. three hundred days a year and then just shoot it then. I've gotta imagine it's gonna be at least somewhat contemporary with some yeah. of the actual real cars and Yeah, I reckon it's probably set in modernish time, but one yeah. I don't imagine they'll be using twenty twenty three race cars. Uh, yeah, in in the movie because something goes wrong. There's too much money, but these cars they still work. They use use them all the time for promotional stuff. Mm-hmm. And race weekends, there's a lot of time in a race weekend, right? Yeah, like, very true. You could do this on Saturday. You could do mm-hmm. this on Friday, especially these days. Attendance is full for the whole weekends. Yeah. So I mean, I can't imagine they would do it on race day. I do not think they would do it on Sundays. But there's enough time on Fridays and Saturdays where you could do this kind of stuff. So yeah, so that's what they're doing. Uh, should we close out this episode with some of our usual awards? I would love the, nothing for the races. more. Was there any back markers? 
Uh, it won't, were there? Technically, no, but there were some back markers at heart. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm going to give this, and this is going to be, even by our standards of controversial picks for back markers, I'm going to give this to Alonzo. Not because he finished the race as a back marker, but because he shouldn't have finished yeah. the race at all. And he was basically a back marker after his accident and yet fought his way all hey, the way through. Hey, he sure marked the back of Lance Stroll. Oh, okay. Well, hey, I'm, hey, hey. I'm, I'm, I'm on one today, man. I'm feeling it. We should do these at 11 p.m. London time more often. You know, it got uh, me fully unhinged. Mike's got a couple of adult beverages and he's ready to rock. I wished, man. I wished. Right. Uh, underperformer. Of the, I mean, I'm with you, Alonso, all the way. Because he yeah. really, he went to the back, right? Like He went to the very, very back, you know? Uh, that Truly an incredible performance from him. Uh, underperformer of the race for me, Daniel Ricciardo. Yeah, dude. I This is one of those races where I have no idea what was wrong. He was 16th place, 90 seconds down. He was behind literally everyone. Like, I, no, no, sorry. He, uh, he was ahead of Latifi, who got penalties and who's my uh, underperformer of the race just because uh, penalties, pushing people off, just, uh, just nonsense, right? But, um, I don't get what's going on with Danny Rick. I, it's like sometimes he's on, sometimes he's off. It's like a different guy shows up to the track, especially when you see mm-hmm. the pace of the car. You see what Lando was able to slice and dice. And then uh, Danny Rick is just like chilling in the back. Like you said, if he shows up on a horse, you can't do that. that, 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 that these two things do not add up. Like, I don't know. You can't have all the on. bravado and then not back it up on the track. Yeah, totally. And unfortunately, this season, Daniel Ricciardo has been a lot of bravado. And yeah. It's a shame, yeah. Because people love him. I think yeah. he seems—he seems like a really nice guy, um, but the sport's pushing him out. Uh, your favorite thing from the race? Uh, for me, it's definitely got to be the fact that you know a third of the way through the race. Actually, like a lot of races this year, it seemed like it was settled. It seemed like it was not going to be super spicy. The Ferraris are basically out of it. You know, the Mercedes didn't have the pace. Max is going to walk away with it. And then a bunch of things happened, and that was not the case. While that was ultimately the end result, it got really, really spicy for the vast majority of the race. And it was only until the last couple of laps that it was really settled. And I thoroughly enjoyed that. Yeah, I would say the same. The closeness of it was fun for me. I like it when they're close. Yeah. Even if the result ends up being the same. I like the excitement of, of wondering what's going to happen. You know, when someone's 20 seconds ahead, it, it takes some of the fun out of it. Because, yes, there are a lot of things happening in the midfield always. And that's exciting. But this sport is about winners, right? Like, mm-hmm. we, you know, like that's what it's about. And so the front of the pack is always going to be the thing that's focused on the most. Yeah. So I like it when there's actually a story going on there and not like, well, Max is 20 seconds ahead. But if Charles picks up <laughs> 1.4 seconds a lap for yep. the next 60, you know, it's like it's not exciting, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Driver of the day. Okay. So I think there are a couple of names we could throw out here. Mm-hmm. I mean, Alonzo, of course, right? I mean, of I think. But also, while I want to give him props for backmarker, I don't know if he necessarily deserves driver of the day because he did a really good job. But also, I would say 
props to Alpine for designing an impossibly tough car that can fly and still drive. Yeah, so he was lucky. To, yes, yes. To continue, <laughs> that had nothing to do with him. The fact that the car yeah. could still go. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know? That's like a you could probably have that accident twenty times in a row, and you're going to drive away from it once. And he got really yeah. lucky from that. Um, then, I mean, Seb would be an option. Yes, I will throw Lewis in there. Okay, because okay. I think Lewis had a great race. Uh, but I think from the way that we have spoken about him, this is Sebastian Vettel's driver. Of, yeah, this is this is yeah. his race of the season. Yeah. Let alone that he had a great performance today. This this is this is probably the most we will have seen and thought and spoken about of Seb during a race uh, this year. And I think that's fantastic. And yeah. so I'm very happy that he has had a moment like that this year where he otherwise maybe wouldn't have and it would have, I think it would have been tragic if he mm. would not have had a, a race where he would have been considered well you could you could see right you could see why he was a world champion I think in today's oh, race I think no. he was absolutely stupendous no he did a terrific job uh, got really unlucky kind of in the opposite way that Alonso got really lucky uh, mm-hmm. with that pit stop but I mean he was doing a terrific job seeing him lead those laps was awesome uh, look I think he won the actual driver of the day, voted by the fans, and I think we're going to be right there with them. Congratulations, Seb. You get the official backmarker driver of the day award. The real win. That's you really the, the thing to celebrate today, I think. That's what you want. We're hurtling towards the end of the season now. Three more? Oh, we didn't even talk about the fact that Red Bull are the Constructors' champions. Eh, that was decided like a, three months ago. <laughs> yeah, but they did it, though. Uh, Congratulations, Red Bull. Good job, Red Bull. I love that they already had the flag. There's something about that. Surely. <laughs> Again, they surely, made the flag like, three months ago. <laughs> sport is superstitious, right? Like yeah. making the flag. Oh, I don't know, man. I mean, obviously, it went fine for them. But yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. Good job, Red Bull. Uh, condolences on what was a sad weekend in a lot of ways, but ultimately another made the most of it. dominant one. Absolutely. I think said it's their first constructor since 2013. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And may, and may it be the last. All right, so we'll move on for, for like another 10 years. You okay. know, this like another 10 years. <laughs> sure, well, we'll go with that. Sure, Mike. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yep. So we've got a short seven-day span until the Mexican Grand Prix. And I always like... Mexico City. It's such a cool. I mean, especially when you get to is it the stadium section with the little like circle mm, thing. That's, that's so good. So cool. So cool. That is a beautiful moment. Is that tiny like it's a sharp right hand yeah. going into a left right, and you've got the the, the stadiums just appear out yeah. of nowhere. That was where Checo did a ton of celebrating last year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just where Checo's dad was running around. Yep, yep, yep. I'm very excited for that. But we've got to help all- for a Checo repeat. You gotta, yes, of course, of course. How can you not for Checo? For uh, me, yeah, if it's not gonna be Checo. I'll take Lewis. Look, the way around. We got three more races. Everything is decided. The championship, the constructors, drivers. There are still some good fights, though, as far as who's gonna finish P two, who's gonna finish P four, and obviously in the constructors, it's still really quite close. But I think we're in for three races of Max probably winning, but a lot of other exciting stuff happening everywhere else. So. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned. And then we've got the Brazilian Grand Prix, which mm-hmm. is a pseudo home race for Lewis Hamilton. Do you know yeah. this? He's, He's an got, honorary citizen of Brazil. I, I'm not sure how an honorary, like, does he get an honorary passport that's just 
like an IOU passport? I don't actually know what I that mean, means. Maybe. <laughs> I feel like if you're an honorary citizen, they'll just let you in anyway. I, I know, right? Like, uh, but hey, cool. That's very exciting, I guess. <laughs> and then, oh man, Bra- Brazil is the penultimate race. It is, yeah. Then we go to Yas Marina. Yes, we will. Yes, no, 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 no. Mike, Mike, Mike. We got three more episodes to get through right now. We cannot do the ass jokes yet. Oh, I'm doing it already. I do it all the time, man. I do it all the time. So, Uh. all right. We'll be back for the Mexican Grand Prix. I hope it was as exciting as this one. I had a great time today. Same, same. And if you want to catch us in, oh, go ahead, please. Go oh ahead. no, I was just going to pitch to our cooldown room for any audio-only listeners. Make sure to come over and see the live feed mm-hmm. over at our channel, available at YouTube.com, of course, where we can break down all the fun stuff. And the second we stop recording, Mike and I inevitably lose our minds and start yelling about Yas Marina. Yas Marina. Backmarkers.live for the YouTube videos, which is where you can also watch us live. Uh, backmarkers.fm for the audio. We are at Backmarkers Live on Twitter, and we'll be back for the next race mexican grand prix until then say goodbye austin goodbye adios and see you later partner